is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. You got into business to pursue your passion, not to worry about insurance. But the reality is every business faces risks and you need to make sure that your business is protected. Insurance doesn't have to be complicated and learning some basic risk mitigation principles like how to develop a business continuity plan can go a long way. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools. Visit sovereigninsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community. And subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible, and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Gomal Minhas, founder of CoreSpace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness, and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. Startup Canada is Canada's entrepreneurship organization. Startup Canada promotes and supports the success and growth of Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs with a mandate to foster economic growth, competitiveness, and prosperity through entrepreneurship. Today, we're so excited to talk to Startup Canada's president and co-founder, Victoria Lennox. Victoria and Cyprian Shalankiewicz co-founded Startup Canada in May 2012, and today the organization has grown to represent more than 200,000 entrepreneurs and 50 grassroots communities from coast to coast. Through digital programs and flagship events, Startup Canada promotes, inspires, educates, and connects Canada's entrepreneurs. As one of Canada's leading proponents of entrepreneurship and innovation, Victoria works alongside government, industry, and entrepreneurs to construct the nation's entrepreneurship ecosystem and to ensure that the right policies, programs, and enabling frameworks and infrastructure are in place to compete and thrive in the fourth industrial revolution. 
Victoria is recognized by the United Nations Development Program and the European Union as one of the foremost experts in entrepreneurship education, ecosystem and program architecture, governance, development, and implementation. Victoria is the first Canadian and one of the youngest recipients of a Queen's Award for Enterprise Promotion on the recommendation of the British Prime Minister. Victoria was a UK Top 30 Under 30 and a recipient of Canada's Volunteer Awards. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's my first time on the Thrive Podcast and delighted to have it with you. I am in this chair in large part because of you. So thank you for being such a huge proponent for women entrepreneurs across this country. So I, and I'm sure many of our listeners, would love to know how your incredible career began and what inspired you to become part of this sector. Um, I have always believed in the motto and kind of my life motto is similar to the Rotary Club and it's service before self. And so I've always looked for a way to be of service uh, wherever I could be. And so I find uh, that entrepreneurship and its intersection with policy provide me with the ability to be of most service. Um, and it's been a really inspiring career. I was only exposed to really politics on the media growing up. Uh, and I always thought that I wanted to get into politics to uh, change the world and to be of service. Uh, but over my career, over the last 20 years, I've found that there's different ways of being of service and entrepreneurship can unleash uh, unleash potential of everybody to uh, to contribute what they have to the world. Amazing. And so in terms of your background in education, you studied at Oxford and did some incredible things during your time in the UK. Can you share some of what you are most in what you were most passionate about while you were in the UK and studying and the charity that you co-founded in the UK? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I came to the University of Ottawa for my undergraduate because it was the closest university to Parliament Hill. And here I got to work for members of Parliament, Amnesty International, the United Nations Association of Canada, and a, a, a whole slew of different types of organizations. But uh, for my master's at the University of Oxford, I studied global governance and diplomacy. Um, and I happened upon a student club during Freshers' Fair called Oxford Entrepreneurs. And it was only then that I really found my people. Uh, I found uh, I found where I fit in um, after after you know an undergraduate of exploring different things. And what I loved about Oxford Entrepreneurs is that you had students from all different parts of the university, engineering, uh, arts, social sciences, coming together and sharing ideas and doing cool things together. Um, so uh, I joined the club. I became the first president of Oxford Entrepreneurs that was a woman. I started Oxford Women in Business, and I went on to found a charity called the National Association of College and University Entrepreneurs that today, 10 years later, continues to support 35,000 young people to develop entrepreneurial skills. Um, and I believe that in this economy uh, and for the future, we need those skills, that mindset um, to be able to continue to progress. Uh, so what I'm most excited about and what I feel I achieved the most in the UK was being able to work with like-minded young people uh, to create something that still exists today and is still continuing to make an impact. So after your time at Oxford, you landed back in Ottawa and decided at that point to create something new again. Tell us about the origin story of Startup Canada. How did this organization come to life? 
Well, despite having started my first organization in the UK, I am such a passionate Canadian. Um, and my favorite city in the whole world, no matter where I go in the world, is Ottawa. I, I truly love living here. Um, so I knew I wanted to come home. I was repatriated uh, back to Canada through a really neat program called the Recruitment of Policy Leaders Program, where essentially um, the government of Canada goes out to global universities and repatriates Canadians back to the country so that um, uh, they're not losing some you know, globally minded uh, talent. I came back to work on small business policy and what I found uh, in doing small business policy, I worked uh, in doing the Business Development Bank of Canada legislative review. I owned the Futurepreneur Canada file. I was seeing reports come across my desk calling for a culture change. Um, and I really saw that what Canada needed was a culture shift. And I don't know about you, but I've never seen the government of Canada create a culture shift or any government for that matter. Um, cultural change comes from the grassroots. And so given my experience in the UK uh, and seeing what Canada needed and where I could be of best service, um, and with all due respect to the government of Canada, I work with them as partners, as a public servant from the outside in, we're colleagues hand in hand in this, is I needed to leave to create a movement. Um, and that that's the origin of Startup Canada. And it just so happened that I was lucky enough to have such a beautiful friend in Cyprian uh, that we trusted in each other enough to, to go at it. My friends in the UK were part of starting Startup Britain and it became a political campaign for the, gov the, the Cameron government. Um, in, the, in the US at the time, um, uh, Steve Case, uh, um, a very, very wealthy entrepreneur, started Startup America. Uh, and I, f I thought Canada needed to do it a little bit bit differently and it need to be truly at the grassroots level to be sustainable. And that's partially why I think Startup Canada has outlived those initiatives. Wow. What a remarkable story and also a reflection of how strategic and thoughtful you are in terms of what you create and how you create it. When you think of the legacy uh, you want this organization to have, you have been here for seven years building and taking Startup Canada to next level after next level. What's your dream for the impact of this organization on this country? I have big dreams for Startup Canada. Uh, it takes it takes um, time. Uh, and the biggest factor in success, I believe, uh, is uh, really persevering over time. Uh, our 25-year vision at Startup Canada is to be Canada's entrepreneurship organization, supporting any Canadian thinking of starting up or becoming self-employed to do so through education, training, provision of resources uh, from coast to coast to coast. I think with Startup Canada, we have a, a wonderful organization, but there's still so many communities and so many entrepreneurs that um, are not getting the support that they need. And with a, a little bit more support could achieve wonderful things. And sometimes that support is as much as, you know, you can do it. And that's the cultural change I was talking about earlier. Um, so that's what we would like to see. I want kids uh, at the breakfast table who have ideas to have somewhere to go to continue to be inspired. And I think Startup Canada can be um, one of our, you know, keys to success as a nation moving forward. So when we've spoken in the past, I've been so inspired by your capacity in business development and in partnership uh, management, partnership creation. And you shared with me something about your charity in the UK in terms of 
how it has been sustainable over the last decade. And I'd love for you to share um, your what you see as your biggest successes in terms of partnership development with the organizations you've worked with. That's a really cool question. Um, with the charity in the UK, it was fully funded by the government. Um, so it's funded by um, the British government and um, as much of Canada's ecosystem is here. When we started Startup Canada, our founding chair, Dr. Adam Cheveniak, who was the founder of uh, Tundra Semiconductor and actually one of the creators of the, the first Amiga computer, if anybody can remember that far back, but he um, was the, the brain behind that, um, is that uh, we wanted Startup Canada to set itself apart by being private sector funded, uh, by working with companies like Intuit, MasterCard, UPS, Scotiabank, private sector companies to fill a gap in our ecosystem that the private sector is not investing enough and when and they're certainly not investing enough in innovation ecosystem outside of the greater Toronto area. Um, so in terms of uh, partnership development with Startup Canada, I've been very focused on private sector partners who care about the same things that we do. And uh, I think we've been able to do that. And it is one of my biggest achievements, I feel, is to be able to educate the private sector to a degree in which they are able to sustain an organization like Startup Canada to serve entrepreneurs every day. And I think that's a big achievement and speaks volumes to the companies that we work with as well. Um, but Startup Canada partners by default. Collaboration is in our DNA. Uh, it's one of our key values as an organization to collaborate always. Uh, and so uh, you'll find that organizations that collaborate always too, those are the organizations we work with. So when you are out there fundraising, um, in many dialogues, we hear about women's uh, are disadvantages in some ways um, in quote unquote, asking for what we're worth in making the big asks. And I see it in you that that is not a hindrance, that that is not something that maybe scares you. Um, share with us some tips that you would like our audience to know when they are going out in fundraising, how they can totally own the room when they're in there or those emails when they are pitching and trying to bring those mon that those funds in. It's a really good question. I think I've always taken the approach that I'm 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 equal to anyone that I work with, and they are equal to me. Um, I'm not above. I'm not below, and that helps to have a conversation um, on the same level. Um, now they might have the, another opinion, the person on the other side of the table, and that doesn't concern me too much. I find once again, time is one of the biggest factors in success. So if you provide consistency as a leader over time and you treat people the way you would want to be treated, then um, you will build a good relationship that is trusting. And that's what fundraising is all about. It's about relationships um, and trust. So I, I think that's been the key to success. I'm also, uh, I, I don't pretend to be anyone else. And I would encourage women entrepreneurs or any entrepreneur who might not have that internal confidence just yet um, to just be themselves, uh, be authentic. That doesn't mean to be sloppy. That doesn't mean that, um, you know, you can't approach a meeting professionally. But what it means is just be true to who you are. And that will be enough. And if that's not enough for the, the partner, then, then the wrong partner at that time. Um, and I'm also one of those people who believe that everything happens for a reason uh, and that uh, things lay themselves out as they should. Um, so I trust the path as well. So tactically, would there be anything that you would offer to our audience in terms of when they are pitching uh, or asking for money 
that you found to be particularly effective? Totally. I mean, it's all about reverse engineering. What's the end goal that you're looking for in that meeting? And then prepare. Just prepare, prepare, prepare. How are you going to get to that goal? What motivates that organization? What do you share in common? And commonality is key. Other tactics I use, but they're not to be seen as uh, manipulative tactics. They're important to relationship building is to get to know the person on the other side of the table beyond the organization. One of the biggest things that I've seen with Startup Canada and other initiatives I've been been part of is when you build a friendship, your friendship outlives the organization. So as that champion of yours moves from organization to organization, they will then bring that partnership with them. A good example uh, is uh, one of our uh, leaders of Startup Waterloo Region many years ago. She moved on to MasterCard. She brought uh, the partnership uh, and her love of Startup Canada to the MasterCard organization. The result of that was that MasterCard didn't just try to work with Startup Canada from the beginning. They jumped right in two feet. Um, And so she's been doing the same thing with a really cool mining organization we're in discussions with. So, I mean, it's about relationships at the end of the day. And so, uh, yes, it's a tactic. Yes, you can compare, um, you can prepare, uh, but just get to know someone else and build friends along the way because that's what life's about. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a great reminder because when we're going into rooms with VCs or with funders, we can often feel like it's a one shot or how do we how do we invest our time and energy into this relationship in a meaningful way? And that's the perfect reminder to just remember that there's people on the other side of that table, people who, when they're invested in you, want the best for you. Um, So thank you for reminding us of that. I would love to toot your horn a little bit. So (laughs) yesterday when we were chatting, you shared uh, the volume or like the the amount that you were able to fundraise for your charity in the UK. And I think it's important for our audience to hear um, the the vast impact you've had in the last decade through that organization. It was something like 10 million pounds annually. Yeah, Yeah, correct. So NACU brings in... um A lot. Um, Well, in comparison to the Canadian market, uh, what we would expect here. So for a a little nonprofit, uh, the government invests 10 million pounds a year. And then that's topped up with great, great multinational partnerships with Barclays Bank that sponsors a million pounds a year. Tata, the Indian consultancy, uh, brings in more than a million a year for social entrepreneurship through the organization and partnerships like that. you can't compare um, London or the UK with Canada. It's at a, a different scale, and it's a global. It's a global, a global market. Um, oftentimes, uh, a, a comment on the Canadian entrepreneurship ecosystem is that our multinational companies anchored in Canada typically are headquartered in the United States. And the sales arm, and maybe if we're lucky, the R&D arm is up here in Canada. But they're dealing with much smaller budgets and often have to ask their American headquarters for permissions to have larger partnerships. So the sell is not just about Canadian entrepreneurship with Startup Canada. It's actually selling Canada to the global or the North American headquarters of why they should invest in Canada when for them Canada is the size of a state um, in terms of their economic impact for their company. So just a comment there, but over the years uh, for my organizations, I've collectively raised more than $50 million. Mic drop. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's re it's real business. So even nonprofits and social entrepreneurship, it's real business at the end of the day. Um, and I think what I love about what's happening in Canada right now is that's starting to be recognized. I just am so grateful. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like it's so critical for our audience to hear the numbers, to hear what it takes over a decade to have been able to institutionalize that kind of funding for various organizations and to show that this is, it's a muscle built over time. It's a skill built over time and that we shouldn't be intimidated. We shouldn't feel um, deterred when we do hear no's, that it's about consistent action, like you said, over time. Correct. Yeah, it's like a marathon. Um, so you have to pace yourself and build great teams around you. Which I can say firsthand, the Startup Canada team is exceptional. Uh, I feel very privileged to work with this team on this podcast. Um, so tr to transition from founding stories and, and your incredible accomplishments um, internationally, you have seen significant challenge in your career. And we are both cancer survivors. And can you share with us what your journey has been like through facing severe illness while building your impactful organizations? The first time you were diagnosed, you were in the UK. Um, the second time we were diagnosed, it was the same year, which I only recently found out. But please share with us like what that experience was like, what it was like to build something impactful, to be a high-impact human, and to face your mortality head-on. Well, I believe everybody has their own journey and we all have our struggles. I don't I haven't met anybody ever who who isn't struggling or has struggled with something. So there's that. Um, when I was in my 20s, uh, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in the UK. Um, at the time, I was president of Oxford Entrepreneurs. And I remember I, I got the presidency. It was a huge honor. Um, and I had a meeting with um, who would be my boss at the Said Business School. And she recommended that I probably step down from the position that I was so excited to take. And I had already begun my treatment in the UK. And I remember, um, like, my stomach fluttering. <laughs> and I had to stand up for myself and say, no, I can do this. I can go through treatment and I can do this. I have an incredible team around me that I've built. And she was, uh, you know... Uh, not sure I could do it, but I knew I could. And I had to stand up for myself. And what I learned through that experience is because I lost my hair with the chemo, and that has an impact, I think, for women, um, uh, especially how we're socialized, is that I had to learn to lead from behind and uh, empower my team around me to be the face of the organization. And that served me very well because it, it helped me to keep service before self always. Oftentimes with entrepreneurship, the founder becomes very ego-driven. And really, it was such a humbling experience to um, uh, not have hair. Uh, and the men and women on my team, they were just tremendous and they pulled it together for me. Um, so that was great. I learned how to lead from behind and that lesson has served me well. Um, when 2017 uh, was a very, very different story. Uh, it was a, um, a much more invasive type of cancer and it was uh, very difficult. And what I, what I will say is this, um, uh, I am very grateful for my team once again and the board. I had already tested and, and improved that muscle of leading from behind. My co-founder Cyprian stepped up in ways that, you know, I'm just so grateful for and forever will be. Um, but 
we have to be careful when we're going through these times for our organizations, because sometimes in society, um, weakness is or illness is perceived as weakness. Um, and that's how your funders, your investors, your stakeholders can perceive weakness in your organization and perhaps be less likely to invest. Um, so the lesson I learned there was the importance of decoupling your identity from your organization so that as with large companies, if you get hit by a bus, um, that your organization is going to keep going and will continue to be strong. And I do believe that through my illness, Startup Canada has become much stronger um, than it ever has been to the point that we're in scaling mode right now. But I wonder, I do wonder, had I not been ill, if uh, we would have learned that lesson. Um, and so I'm very grateful for that lesson and that we have such a resilient organization and I'm very grateful to keep learning. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. I know firsthand the impact of illness on our overall sense of self. And I find it so inspiring how you were able to lead alongside being unwell. And that your illness didn't define you. And that you are now able to make space for continued healing out of that. So to step into this next period, this next question is such where you're heading into a period of transition. You are stepping down from your role here at Startup Canada, continuing to stay involved in business development, but you're taking more time for you. What's that like? Every transition is exciting, I think. Um, it's exciting and scary. And as an entrepreneur, I think we like the unknown. Uh, you know, I think uh, it's in our DNA to get kind of excited about not knowing the future. I think that um, having invested so much over the last seven years in Startup Canada, certainly uh, it's a uh, it's it's going to be difficult to, to step away. Um, but I have great mentors around me that um, are helping me to make a great transition for the organization and for me. I'm excited to continue to support in a business development and government relations role. These are areas that I thrive and I know I can represent Canada's entrepreneurs in, in that domain with industry and government. And I'm so excited for the opportunity to do that. But it's time to learn too. Um, uh, my grandmother uh, was a newcomer from Portugal, and uh, she always believed in education, education, and education. So whenever I'm in times of transition, at least has been, become a theme in my life, uh, is I would like to keep learning uh, and keep studying uh, and keep impacting. And once again, service before self. When you're in service in, uh, to others, you, you, you really grow as an individual. And I think, uh, you know, it's time to continue to grow. So I would like to continue to serve entrepreneurs in different ways and work with amazing entrepreneurs like yourself uh, to uh, continue to make a difference, not just in Canada, but in the world. I'm so excited to see <laughs> as this next chapter unfolds. And a question that kind of is in the back of my mind is conversations around vulnerability and your experiences, both in building an ecosystem in Canada, building teams, um, having so much exposure globally, while also having such a intense personal experience through your illnesses. Um, what role has vulnerability played in your leadership, in how you lead your teams, in how you lead in your life? 
It's a really interesting question that I haven't really thought about before,、um, but I imagine it's had a big impact. I've had to learn to ask for help.、Uh, I don't hesitate. So perhaps other people might hesitate to ask for help,、uh, but to me, I ask for it.、Um, but I don't just ask for help and let it go. I'm I'm there to counsel during the process. But I think being vulnerable is very important.、Um, perhaps in some times, just reflecting on on. Uh, just now, per- perhaps sometimes it has slowed down growth being vulnerable,、um, and I do know some occasions where I've had to, if I may,、uh, being vulnerable right now, like look at myself and say, Victoria, pick up your lady balls and get on with it, you know.、Um, and so I, you know, I've had to, I've had to coach myself, and positive self talk ha- is very. Very important as a leader, because you don't always have someone around you to cheer you on, and so you better cheer yourself on and say, "I can do this! Come on, girl!"、Um, and、uh, I think that's really important. So vulnerability is really important, but perhaps my illnesses have、um, made me、uh, realize in certain moments to to show up. Um, and whenever I need to show up, and I call myself to do that,、uh, I that has made impact not just for me, but that's where each step that the organization has grown、uh, has been those moments where I'm like, "Suck it up, let's do it. We can do it. We can do it." And you know, you achieve something. So、um, it's a very good question and something I'd like to reflect on more. It's I find that. So many times in when I was sick, I would want to hide and just like be in my cave and not have the world see me and not have anyone in my realm. And the courage to show up through those moments is very、uh, astounding to me, and also something that inspires me when I when I hear about your story. And I so appreciate that, but I also so appreciate that you have built this organization. Gone through so much, and now are taking this pause to really ponder and reflect on what's next while continuing your education、um, and becoming a leader that we're all going to be looking to in the future, which I know so deeply in my heart is true.、Uh, and to bring it back to Startup Canada, I'd love to hear about some of the programs、uh, and offerings that you are so proud of,、uh, most proud of,、uh, to have available to entrepreneurs in this country. Could you share some of those with us? Well, I mean, you now have me talking about my favorite thing to talk about, and that's Startup Canada.、Um, but、uh, yes, absolutely. And there's going to be so many announcements coming along the way、uh, in the next few months because of our scaling mode.、Um, but I'm so proud of our startup communities. That's.、Uh, Truly, the heart of Startup Canada. Startup Canada is supported by a network of volunteers, entrepreneurs who are volunteering their time to support one another in their communities. They're running events, facilitating mentorship, connecting entrepreneurs to ecosystem, and at the end of the day, supporting one another. And that's what it's about. In other economies where entrepreneurs are looking for handouts. 
startup communities are hand lending a hand to one another. Um, and so I'm very proud of that, that there's startup Whitehorse, there's startup St. John's, startup Charlottetown, startup Miramichi, startup Sackville across Canada where entrepreneurs can tap into for support. I'm also pretty jazzed about our digital programs, including the Thrive podcast. Um, our a Startup Canada has become the largest digital network for entrepreneurs in Canada. Uh, that's, uh, you know, larger... Uh, uh, online profile than Globe and Mail, National Post. Um, we are Canada's network for entrepreneurs. And I think that as our startup chats trend every week online, we're building entrepreneurship into our digital identity as a nation. And I think we're really making change. Um, so I am really, really excited uh, about our communities and our digital programs, including the Thrive podcast, the Startup podcast with Rivers Corbett and Startup Chats with Lyndon Johnson every Wednesday and Friday at noon Standard Time on uh, Eastern Standard Time on um, Twitter. So I just encourage every entrepreneur to leverage Startup Canada through these ways. So one of my last questions for you is you are a big thinker, a big dreamer, a massive executor. How do you envision, like, how do you maintain such a grand vision for your life and your impact? Oh, Como, all these questions are so good. <laughs> oh, it's because I'm how, hungry to know. I gotta know the answers. <laughs> um, how do you maintain a grand vision for your life? I think it's about knowing who you are and what your why. I mean, um, there are many books on these issues, but I know, and I started the interview with Servants Before Self, I know that my life's purpose is to help people to take what's unique about themselves and manifest that in the world um, by in a way that creates opportunities for themselves, their families, their communities, our country, humanity. I believe every individual has something special to give this world. And I truly believe that entrepreneurship is a vehicle to manifest that. I love entrepreneurs because you can be an entrepreneur um, who has had major life issues and you can create an economy around yourself in a way that plays to your strengths and mucks with your weaknesses. Focus on your strengths. And so um, I think what guides me is the desire to see people to live their best life. And I think a lot of people have a very similar life goal to, to support other people in that way. But I think the way that I choose to do it is through service. I like to be in the background. I know that about myself. I like to support other people to, to take the platform and to, to support them. Uh, but I also know that I love policy um, and I love the intersection between policy, industry, and entrepreneurship. And so I think with Startup Canada, you build your organizations in your own image all the time. I think uh, it's the best of all of that. And that's what we brought to Canada. And I know that the next leader of Startup Canada will bring their vision and their best self to the organization. And I can't wait to see what that will do for Canada. I am so excited to be your ultimate fangirl for the rest of your career. Stop, Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> now for our every episode final question, what advice do you have for female entrepreneurs to thrive in their life and their business? Don't wait for someone to give you permission to uh, do something that you know you want to do. Uh, just do it. And if you feel like you need permission, here you go. 
you have permission. Go, do it. Follow your dreams and uh, and pursue what you think is right today, now. Go. Thank you so much, Victoria. You are the true embodiment that regardless of what life throws your way, you can maintain your sense of self. You can maintain your understanding of who you are in the world and what you're here to do and that you can rise and thrive. Thank you so much for being here, Victoria. Thank you. Thanks so much for being such a great host. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit CoreSpace, K-A-U-R dot space to learn to better integrate work, wellness, and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive.